make sure this works. Looks like it does. So, turn that down a little bit. Can you hear me? So, for episode six, I've decided to do another field recording. And I had packed up my bag with my equipment and a beer. And this was going to walk down to the far end of the property where I have like a little campsite, which is where I had been camping, you know, before getting the cabin a couple years ago. I had the property. I didn't have possession of the cabin. And I would come up and camp on the far end of the property. I think I mentioned that. And uh, so I call it the campsite. Uh, I was going to walk down there, but a couple steps out the door, I saw the sun glinting off this aluminum canoe that I have overturned by the lake um, on loan to me from my good friend Emmett Moore. And I said, man, it's been about a week and a half or so since I've taken the canoe out. I might as well, uh, it'd be a fun little, um, it'd be a fun little field recording. Put the phone on mute here. I took the phone intentionally because I wanted to, um, I wanted to take a photo, take maybe a couple photos out here. So I've paddled out to the middle of Deerhaven Lake, uh, right here on the back of my property. And the sun is just above the tree line on the western side of the lake, surrounded by lily pads and humid air. And we had a little bit of rain today. So it's kind of got that smell and the feeling of uh, having just rained, though the skies are clear. I'm drinking this delicious beer by a brewery called Collective Arts, which I believe is out of, uh, I guess, Wanaki, Wisconsin. Real nice tall cam. <clears throat> Got dogs barking off in the distance. And whatever life there is out here on the lake is uh, getting ready for sundown. So... I guess like the last field recording, I don't really have anything particular to talk about, but I'll just let it come forth. Let's see. Today I kind of had, not a catastrophe, you know, it's easy to see things as catastrophes, and maybe if this had happened earlier in my venture out here, I would have reacted as if it were. <clears throat> But, you know, I'm doing new things out here, and sometimes shit goes wrong. 
And what happened today was while I was out um, in Eustis uh, getting materials, going to the post office and all these things, a heavy rainstorm came in. And it had rained earlier in the day, and I was aware of the risk. So, you know, I have 45 birds, well, I guess a little less. I have 43 because two died. 43 baby birds, uh, 30 guinea fowl keats, and, well, 28 guinea fowl keats, and 15, um, it's actually 16 uh, baby chicks. And right now I have them in two containers, but earlier today they were in one large container with a heat lamp, uh, food, and water. Um, and I had, I had been aware that since the container was near, near the, um, the edge of the porch that, you know, in a heavy rain it could get damp. Sometimes if there's a lot of wind it'll blow some rain into the porch and so I had kept my eye on that during this morning's rainstorm and it was bone dry uh, however while I was out in town uh, I guess a gustier rainstorm a gustier rainstorm had uh, come in <clears throat> and when I got home everything was sopping wet including the birds which if you know about raising uh, baby birds, baby anything, really. Uh, you don't want them to be wet. Um, so I hustled to remove them from the container, which uh, the, the guineas kind of freak out when you try to touch them. The chicks are more friendly, domesticated. But um, I ended up getting them all out into a smaller container while I emptied the wet uh, pine bedding uh, replaced it, and then I put them all back in the container. I realized, wait a minute, you know, there's some kind of, uh, looks like raw spots where the feathers have been kind of pecked away on some of the chickens' uh, backs. Uh, I think that the guineas are maybe a little more aggressive and bigger than the chicks and maybe are picking on them. I'm not sure. So I rigged up uh, a separate container for the chicks. Now they're separate. Everyone's dry, and it's all good. Um, I haven't moved the containers to a different spot, so if it rains again, I'll have to keep an eye on it, make sure I'm around, uh, and cover it, or figure out a better spot um, for that situation. Um, I do like the porch because I can easily pop out and keep an eye on them. Uh, it's protected from predators whilst also being outside so that, you know, Inside, they'd be noisy, they'd be smelly, you know, I'd get leaks maybe and attract maybe roaches with the feed. Um, so I like having them outside and the porches screened in, so that's nice. Uh, the, I think the only other option would be to keep them either A, in the coop with the adult chickens in their own container within the coop, or B, put them in the garage and close the door at night. Uh, I think either situation would work, but for now, I'm liking the porch. Maybe if I rig up some sort of covering, uh, then all issues will be solved. But anyway, everyone's dry now, and they're all cozied up, and hopefully their feathers will heal up. I mean, they're molting anyway. 
you know, they come, baby birds come with down feathers and quickly they become replaced by actual feathers. So it could just be part of that, but I'm definitely keeping my eye on it. So, yep, this kind of shit is uh, full of little surprises and setbacks and I've noticed that you can't let that shit defeat you or feel like you're, you know, you can't get down on that. You have to just keep soldiering on. So yeah, I'm sure most of them, if not all, will be fine. Um, I did mention earlier I lost two guinea fowl. Um, uh, the first day that they were, I guess the first full day that they were here, I lost one. Just found him dead, kind of, uh, and pecked at a little bit in the, uh, container. Uh, who knows? My guess is that he was weak or sick, and they called him out. So I buried him. And then the next day... I found one bird kind of crawled under the waterer, was damp and in really bad shape and weak, couldn't stand up, and I uh, euthanized him and buried him. Uh, nothing since. It's been about a week since, and I haven't noticed anything. They are all growing up, getting feathers. They're very active and healthy looking, so I think we're good. Uh I'm told that 1% of the birds are expected to die within a couple days of receiving them. So, you know, two out of 30, we're doing good. Um, so, yeah, so that's the birds. They're growing up. Um, I've got my neighbor Kevin around, and he and his girlfriend Shauna are interested, you know, they're inspired by my birds, and they want to get their own birds, uh, so we're, we might, we might uh, be placing an order for some more birds again soon, which would bring my total up beyond uh, 50 uh, birds. So yeah, so I have now have the confidence to fully call this place a farm. Right now, we're a non-producing goat and chicken farm. Uh, <laughs> I would like, <laughs> I'd like to move beyond that and actually be a full-fledged farm. Um, speaking of which, I was looking at the yard today after the rain, and I said, man, you know, rainy season, summer, you know, I don't have all the compost ready like I had initially planned, but man... It'd be so nice to have a little garden planted. So I think I'm going to go ahead and do that. Uh, the other thing that was preventing me from getting going on a garden, aside from comp wanting the compost, you know, not wanting to bring in foreign compost, in other words, which I'm going to end up doing, uh, is, uh, is the goats. You know, the goats will eat up anything that's chewy and juicy and delicious and green. So I'm going to have to fence it in, which I didn't really want to do because it'd be an eyesore, but I think I can make it look nice, and that'll keep the goats out and other things out. So yeah, so first step is plotting how big I want it to be, where I want to situate it, then I'll build the fencing, and then decide whether I want to go with raised beds or till the ground and do rows. Uh, there's a lot of steps to go before going forward with that, but... I'm, it's in my mind now that that's something to do this summer. Um, man, I got a fridge yesterday. Uh, Memorial Day sale at Lowe's. My mini fridge crapped out. So last this entire week, I've been living without refrigeration. 
And uh, finally, I got this badass fridge. I'd been living out of mini fridge this whole time. So finally, a badass fridge came in. Uh, it's set up, and I'm freaking loving life. No more hour-long drives, round trip to McDonald's to get food when I'm hungry late at night. You know, no more unhealthy, well, probably some more unhealthy eating, but far less unhealthy eating. So yeah, a stocked fridge, it's clean, it's nice, it's great. So nice out here. You know, next episode, I've been really wanting to, to, today I wanted to record on this topic, but I decided I wasn't ready. So I'm taking notes and doing some reading for next episode, um, which is going to be kind of focused on what being out here does for me mentally and kind of the nature of being out in the forest and what it's like and how I notice that it affects me. And I'll probably cover, it'll be like almost like a book review of sorts because I found this amazing book and I'm not going to get too into it right now. But I found this amazing book in town and it's called... Um, Bulo Hammock, B-U-L-O-W, Mind in a Forest. And I saw it in the Florida section of the Muse Bookstore in the land and said, man, this sounds right up my alley. And uh, sure enough, it really is like to a weird degree. Like it's the perfect book for me right now. So yeah, so I really want to talk about that. That'll be my next episode. But for now, uh, it's going to take me some time and some work to lay it all out. So here we are. Uh, man, so yeah, I guess uh, I've just been doing a lot. You know, we had a drought and a heat wave come at the same time uh, for almost like two weeks. And it was kind of brutal, man. It, um, you know, I pride myself in... I get a lot of criticism or I kind of gather that people are talking about like, man, what's he doing out here? He's out there. He's, he's like taking it easy. Like, and that's clearly not like if you've been out here with me, like I'm definitely not doing that at all. <clears throat> there are days where I, where I enjoy myself and chill out, of course, like anyone else, but it's hard work out here. And it's not the hard work that I guess certain people expect to see, but I don't really care. Um, but that said, I, there's a pride I take partially because of that, you know, in having energy, getting shit done, you know, and knocking things down each day. And during the drought and the heat wave, it was so brutal outside that I was really relegated to being indoors. And there's only so much I could do indoors that it kind of put me in like a little funk as far as like, feeling good about myself as far as like getting shit done and like what I'm what am I you know what I'm doing out here um 
And yeah, just less physical activity. I was feeling bloated and shit. And I'm starting to feel better now. I've been out more. But what was cool, you know, is it's like, it really felt like, like being in the desert. Like, you know, it's all sand out here. The Cal National Forest is very interesting. Every all the ground, if you if you dig up whatever leaves are there, and in most places you don't have to dig up anything. It's just sand. It's fine powder white sand. So it's like the desert beach kind of vibe. And especially with the heat wave, everything dried out. So everything was dusty. When you drive, a big cloud of dust would go behind you. Um, everything was just getting nasty and dry. Not typically what we see out here. And yeah, you know, so I wasn't working as much. It was just, I mean, we're talking 100 plus degree uh, heat index. Uh, 98, 99, I think, I think, what did I clock? 101 on the weather unit. So anyway, it was very hot. Uh, so I would do my work, whatever I needed to do during the morning. And then later in the day when the sun went down. But you know, inevitably there's going to be something that comes up with the animals usually that I have to tend to. And so, man, you'd go outside immediately, just be baking. Everything was just cooking. Um, so yeah, so I'm glad that's over. It's nice and cool in a Florida summer way right now. Um, definitely still a little moist on my skin, a little sweat, but, uh, it's a welcome, change from the past week and a half of, of hot weather. So yeah, I guess I guess what I wanted to lead into with that was like, you know, I'm really excited for summer here. Like I love, love, love the damp, thunderstorm, humid vibe of summer in the southeast. Um, I just love it. I guess... I mean, partially it links back to just growing up here, right? And just memories, I guess. But uh, actually, most of my summers I spent at summer camp, you know, for the most part. But anyway, just the feeling of, like, warmth and being, like, in a bath walking around, if you're, like, walking around in bed, like, it's just comforting. But I noticed how much I love this time of year uh, during a road trip I took years back where I went um, around the Gulf... Uh, I took what what is uh, I guess U.S. U.S. Highway 98 from Broward County up to uh, I think I took it all the way to Abilene. Correct me if I'm wrong. I took it most of its length, if not all of it. And I just you know there are parts of it where I went uh, on the Panhandle and Mobile Bay and. Uh, you know, I stayed in Mexico Beach, which got freaking leveled, unfortunately, from uh, Irma or whatever it was. It's all these places. And I don't know, just thunderstorms coming in, being sandy in the driver's seat, no shirt on. Just a good vibe that I romanticize and love. So, yeah, that we'll be doing some adventuring maybe this, uh, this summer. Went to see Godzilla with uh, Gavin and his buddies and his lovely wife who I'd imagine are going to be listening to this so what's up guys I had a great time Um, actually very inspiring little outing 
which uh, I guess I got inspired to um, like a story idea kind of hit hit me, and I haven't been inspired to write a story in a while. Um, I'm not gonna talk about it now, but I will say this that I've failed in pretty much every other screenplay I've attempted. And I think that this one, it feels different off the bat in that it feels very... What I'm focusing on is not something I'd ever focused on before. Far from it. Uh, it's going to be a comedy. And it's going to be basically... The char- main character is basically me. You know, a variation of me. You know, they always say write what you know and I've always ignored that and tried writing things that I would like to watch. But uh, this idea I had uh, is going to be writing what I know to the max. Kind of suburban, uh, everyday kind of life stuff. Been watching a lot of Todd Salon's films, so kind of influenced by that heavily. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's already making me kind of giggle inside thinking about the character and the premise. So I've got to just get it down. But I'm excited to do that. And yeah, so strangely enough, that occurred to me uh, when I went to see Godzilla, uh, which rocked. I mean, definitely go see Godzilla. Uh, real cool movie. It had uh, what I liked about it. First of all, the trailer for Terminator, the new Terminator, man, looks badass. You know, I don't go to mo- if you know me, I don't go to the movies at all. Uh, maybe once or twice a year. Um, these days. And uh, so, which is great because A, I'm not uh, sitting through terrible movies all the time. And B, whenever I do go, if I've done it right, I'm, con- I'm like the spectacle of cinema has returned uh, to my life because I'm constantly wowed by seeing these amazing movies on the big screen. So I feel like that's ideal. You know, maybe I should see more. One to two a year maybe is not is, is a little too much, but uh, a little too few is what I mean. But uh, but I think that's kind of a cool place to be in that like I'm 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 wowed again. You don't want it to be normal to see these amazing things on screen all the time. At least I don't. Uh, it should be special, and it is. It was for me, man. Seeing Godzilla, I was pretty much smiling the whole time. Although I should say this, uh, that was the first night that um, I've, I've just got a moment of self-consciousness. I heard pe- people shouting at the um, campground across the way. And I realize I'm in a massive three-person canoe sitting all the way to the front. One guy holding a beer, talking to his feet um, in the middle of a lake. But that's who I am, so... Anyhow, uh, I had a near anxiety attack during the film because going to the film was the first, I realized, was the first night I had spent away from my animals since I got them. You know, when I got the chickens in February, it's been every night with them. It's been every night with the goats. I do not leave. You know, I'll run out for an hour and then come back if I need to get something. But uh, it's important at sundown for the chickens that I am there when they go into their coop to lock the door so that nothing can get in. 
Well, good thing I was able to go to the film because my neighbor Kevin was around, and he uh, gracefully, or I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm grateful that he uh, offered to put the birds away and check on everything while I was gone. So I hadn't heard from him, and I had checked my, my nest cam to see uh, if the sun was down, and the sun was like starting to really set, and I hadn't heard from him, and it looked like the door was open, so I started to panic a little bit, and then sure enough, I saw him uh, go ahead and close everything up and check on everything, and he shot me a text, and I felt good, and was back to enjoying the movie. But, I mean, man, like, I just realized in that, like, how much my life has changed in that, A, I'm, like, literally here all the time, and B, if I'm not here, it feels, like, a little bit like I'm at risk. So, I think it's a temporary thing. Um, I'll learn to live with that. Uh, I'm very glad to have my neighbor here who can look after things. It's really a lifesaver. Uh, Speaking of which, I'll probably be heading home in a little bit, maybe as soon as uh, a couple days from now. Um, I want to go see family, you know, uh, say hi to everyone, maybe grab a few things. Um, Yeah, a couple days, two, three days maybe. Get out on the water maybe. Um, Yeah, just drive down. But, you know, my neighbor's here, so now's an opportunity for me to do it. So that might happen, though it might not happen because, you know, I've got Larry with the um, broken leg, which, by the way, is healing great, really well. Uh, He's running around, jumping on things. He feels like a normal goat now, but he's still not ready to come out of the splint. So it's doing well, but we're not done. And I do feel a little bad leaving him in such a condition. Um... But I think Kevin will handle it just fine. I think Larry will be fine. Uh, So, yeah. What else has been going on? I haven't been making that much music, I'll be honest, because I've transitioned... (sighs) My workflow has changed intentionally from using this recorder that I'm using now, which is a Zoom (coughs) R24, which I had been using for the past eight, nine years to make my music, I finally moved on to a, uh, a, um, uh, you know, software using a computer to the modern days, using a computer uh, with an interface and shit. And there's just a learning curve, man. Like, if you probably hear it in my podcast a little bit. Like, if the music levels are a little high, like, just certain things that I'm not used to. Uh, Actually, the podcast has really helped a lot in me getting um, comfortable with all that, learning different techniques or whatever I need to do. So, it's recording music has been more frustrating lately than it needs to be, than it should be. Um,. I definitely have inspiration. I could sit down and just come up with a tune and then explore it from there and there. I could I could crank out songs. I'm just not fully there with the software yet to record them. So, uh, that's that. Um, I'm going to take a quick break here because I wanted to read a section of... I wanted to read a poem by John... 
Foles. John Fowles, John Foles, who's a writer I've been getting into. And I haven't, being that I'm in a canoe, I haven't um, queued up the page. There's my neighbor Kevin running his ATV. He's probably coming to look for me. And he's not going to find me because I'm out here on the lake. So John Foles. is a writer if I think I mentioned in a previous I think I had read in a, uh, I mentioned in a previous um, and here I found the poem I mentioned in a previous podcast that I've been reading his book The Tree rereading it and it's a great um, it's kind of a actually I'll probably read sections of The Tree for next week's podcast as well but it's a great, um, you know, treatise on the joys and the and the specialness of wilderness time, and how it's impossible to communicate that in any form of media, in in writing or photography. You know, think about when's the last time you saw a great photograph of the forest like it's or have you ever tried to take a photograph in the forest like it's hard you feel there's it's not ordered the way we're used to seeing things with the subject you know to find a subject in the forest is it can be done but that's not the vibe of the forest the vibe of the forest is being surrounded by this chaos and this you know mess kind of so yeah so that's a good book so I got into so I looked up you know the rest of his works and he wrote some really great, supposedly what's really great literature. Um, but in one of the bookstores around here, I kill time a lot of times going to the used bookstores, finding stuff. Um, I happen to just find a beautiful book of poetry of his. And it's got really nice art. Um, and the introduction mentions how it was, some of them were written in Greece. Yeah, apparently he lived in a Greek island for a while. And uh, this is one of them. So, I will read The Shepherd by John Fowles. At the stone glade end, he stands from the firs and offers greetings. Old bread, warm milk, a cheese. Takes my hand and a cigarette. We talk. Whether there will be war, what I do in life... How long it takes to fly to London and the sea of bells. Each minute he whistles, soft searching whistles, between question and answer, bells and whistles. Once he worked in Athens, but came back, rare one, to the mountain. Parnassus racked with wolves and cold. Athens was good but lacked one thing, a silence in which a man could sing. <clears throat> Athens was good, but lacked one thing, a silence in which a man could sing. I mean, that's, first of all, just... I feel the same way, you know? Like, I feel maybe less so now that my... Oh, beautiful woodpecker. 
Uh, I feel a little less so now that my neighbor's here. But, you know, when I was out here completely alone, you'd catch me, well, no one, you wouldn't, but if you had been here, you'd catch me singing while doing things, you know, out and about. You know, the freedom of being able to just sing aloud um, and not seem too strange to anyone, not seem any way to anyone. Uh, Man, that's freedom, you know? Uh, It felt good. And uh, Athens was good, but lacked one thing, a silence in which a man could sing. It's musical, that that little stanza, whatever you want to call that. Anyway, um, oops. Good book of poetry there. We have these... uh, just these levels again. I think I hit the levels. We have these um, woodpeckers out here. You know, if you're from Miami, oh, there it goes again. If you're from Miami, you're used to the typical southern woodpecker uh, with the little bald kind of red head. But out here we have the pileated. Well, we have those, but we have the pileated woodpeckers as well, which is more of the woody, the woodpecker style. Pileated mean, means... Uh, it has a cone. It has like a crown. Uh, so it's got like a little crest kind of on top. And they're much larger birds. The way that they, it's a very swooping kind of style of flight that they have. It's really beautiful. So yeah, so just saw one of those. And we've got all these crows now. Now the sun is really setting now. We've got the crows kind of flying into the sunset. Real beautiful. Kind of purple, blue, golden, peach colored sky. And I'm looking at my cabin, kind of behind me, sitting on a hill. I'm going to paddle a little bit here. Sitting on a hill. There it is. If I turn around and look. Really beautiful. Giant lily pads on this lake. There's another lake on the property, and it's pretty much clear. So it'd be better to actually do this, but it's more of a hassle to get to and to drag a canoe down to. And so, but yeah, these lily pads really slow you down. Gosh, it's nice out here. You know, I'm so lucky to be out here. I think it'd do me good to get away for a minute, a couple days, just because I have to remind myself, I find myself taking this shit for granted, and I have to remind myself every now and then, like, wait a minute, dude, like, get up, do your shit, tackle something new each day, because you're out here doing what you wish you were doing not too long ago. So seize the moment, seize the day, and freaking do it. You know, I fear this becoming normal and falling into similar um, habits that I that I would uh, back in the city. But um, I think I can fight that off by keeping busy. Uh, I don't think I have a choice. I think life here on this much land is going to keep me busy and keep me away from that normalcy that I dread. You know, we desire excitement and I certainly have it out here saw a huge bear the other day it's definitely exciting 
saw a great movie two days ago. One of the best. I, I shit you not. You know, I used to say this. Maybe certain people say this um, casually. One of the best movies I've ever seen, without question. By the Wachowski brothers. Their first film, called Bound. And it's a uh, neo-noir uh, queer film. Um, with... Uh, with uh, Jen- uh, Jennifer Tilly and uh, Jewish actress blanking on her name right now. It was the tip of my tongue. Anyway, what? And Joe Pantoliano, Joey Pants. What a movie that really is. I mean, I, I could not recommend it enough. You'll be enthralled the entire movie. It's erotic, it's, it's noir, super noir. It's shot really well. It's beautiful. They pull off some really like, uh, which like what they did in the Matrix. They it's almost cooler. Uh, they pulled off some really uh, experimental shit with their filmmaking. Uh, it's badass. I would I I, I I might rewatch it tonight with a commentary on or something. It's a great movie. Uh, so maybe you guys want to watch that. Um, so yeah, I think that's it. That's a good field recording. We're clocking in just under 40 minutes here. Um, that's about it. I'm going to go shower off now because I'm all sweaty and hopefully not dump all my gear in the in the soup here. And, uh, and you'll hear from me in about a week, guys. So thank you so much for sticking with me and listening and for your time. And I love you all. And if you ever want to come visit or you ever want me to discuss anything or whatever, you reach out and let me know. People are talking, people will talk When they got nothing new to say Tell them I'm dying, tell them I'm dead Tell them I'm simply gone away Nothing's really changed I will remember you to the end Only the end is rearranged Aren't we pretending to know more than nothing? Aren't we supposing what we know to be true? We die every day Stay. Tell them I'm lying in my feather bed. Stay.
staring at my broken feet of clay Tell them I'm dying, tell them I'm dead Tell them I'm simply gone away